Now, this week and next, you're hearing a fascinating documentary. It's been produced and presented by Dr. Ben Makin, and it's called Life, What on Earth Is It? In the last two episodes, you've been hearing from Professor Michael Sweet from the University of Derby, and he is going to be cropping up again a little bit later. Back to Dr. Ben now as Life, What on Earth Is It? continues. So, so far in our adventure into discovering what is life and trying to explain how it could have started, we've learned about the importance of replication and in defining replication we found that we had to consider viruses. And now, having delved into the topic deeper, we find that viruses could in fact actually explain the origin of life. As Professor Michael Sweet was explaining there, one potential scenario is that life began as self-replicating molecules which eventually became viruses and potentially even through this system of viroids to satellites to viruses and eventually becoming cells. And even if this doesn't turn out to be the way that this worked, it's clear that viruses are absolutely essential for horizontal gene transfer. A mechanism that Michael Sweet was explaining there has been critical for evolution and life as we know it. But one key question remains in this story about how life could have begun. And that is the development of complexity of complex self-replicating molecules from seemingly nothing. So how can we imagine building up the complexity of these replicating units and indeed of the vehicles that contain them, of the cells and so on? Well, it turns out there could be a reason linked to a fundamental law of physics, the second law of thermodynamics. So there's one guy who argues from MIT who's arguing that actually something like adaptation, which is for, the, for just, just kind of, I guess, to get everybody on, 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 on the right page with this, adaptation is the appearance of... Uh, design, if you like, the, the fit, appearance of fit your environment. yeah, fit, fittedness, as yeah. <laughs> as I like to call it, fittedness to the environment. Uh, he talks about where you've got a kind of uh, these gradients of exergy, high quality energy that's very usable, has a lot of work that you can do with it. It's not not like a you know because the first the second law of thermodynamics is telling you that you'll go from having you know these kind of concentrated kind of high order energy sources to the energy doesn't disappear it just spreads out and becomes less useful becomes this kind of broad useless heat so exergy is a term that i see a lot which seems to refer to this kind of usable the quantity of usable energy but he posits that if there is that if the, every, every time you get a great every time you get a source and there's a great a massive gradient in in exergy locally that you'll get kind of spontaneous self-organized things that will happen like a lightning bolt i mean actually this he talks i mean he gives a nice analogy he, he describes lightning as this is it's quite ordered and what it does is it dissipates it dissipates exergy at a high rate it incre- it's really really good at dissipating entropy and he talks about life as being one of these processes that emerge that probably emerged as a way to dissipate you know as a, reacting to this fundamental if it is true if this if this view is 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 accurate that the, this kind of these kind of gradients create a kind of um, entropic pressure system mm. and so but the pressure but the the things that emerge often represent the local the the details of the environment in which the in which that gradient is embedded 
so the heterogeneities of the way that the energy can move through the system. You know, so you do get some representation of the environment. So high energy gradients could potentially, in theory, allow complex self-replicating molecules to emerge from seemingly nothing at all. Or at least from seemingly random background chemistry. But is there anywhere on Earth that there could have been such a gradient that could have kick-started life, that could have added that spark and turned background chemistry into complex self-replicating biological molecules? Well, it turns out the answer is yes. And understanding where to look could even tie in with the search for life on other planets. So one of the first questions uh, we need to talk about whenever we're, we're looking at, uh, at life is, is what exactly is it? Um, and if you do a quick Google, uh, you'll find that there are many different uh, aspects uh, associated with, with what life is and different people describing it. Uh, but by and large, you need some form of, of biogenic element, usually carbon is the, obviously our, our life-based source um, in, on Earth, uh, a source of energy. And most people think of, of light and photosynthesis in this guy, in this region, some form of uh, water, liquid water. Um, and a lot of people argue that you need a suitable and, and reasonably stable environment for, for evolution to take place. Um, so that all sounds uh, perfectly sensible. Uh, and in fact, if you try and think of, of life in the, the general concept, uh, it ticks all those boxes. Um, but when we look further afield, uh, we might not be looking for, for carbon-based life. We might be looking for something like silicon-based life or something uh, associated with that. And in fact, silicon uh, is obviously a, a major uh, aspect, uh, a, ma a major element, uh, which is based in the, in the deep sea. Um, and some people have the, the theory that the deep sea is where, where life actually uh, formulated. Such a fascinating look at um, some big questions, isn't it? Professor Michael Sweet from the University of Derby, they're talking to Dr. Ben Make in part three of Life, What on Earth Is It? Uh, that is it for this week.